Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Did you know that only 13% of salespeople worldwide think they get helpful coaching from their sales leaders, but 83% of the leaders of these reps think they are awesome at coaching? Head to exvoyant.com for the world's largest sales leadership resource center. Discover best practices in sales leadership, common pitfalls to avoid, and learn how to become a legendary sales leader with each rep on your team. Exvoyant will help you move past focusing only on your number and is your partner to start building a dominant sales dynasty. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will create new normals with every rep on your team and impact your organization within a single sales cycle. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you create a sales dynasty faster than you ever thought possible. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Jen Spencer, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for SmartBug Media, a globally recognized intelligent inbound marketing agency of experts in digital strategy, design, PR, and marketing automation. Over Jen's career, she's built several demand generation and sales enablement programs from the ground up and has experience working within tech startups, publicly traded companies, mid-market organizations, and the not-for-profit space. She currently serves on the board of Girls in Tech in Phoenix and speaks regularly at B2B sales and marketing conferences. Jen subscribes to the notion that we're all in this together and that great communication leads to great partnership. She loves animals, technology, the arts, and especially really good scotch, which I cannot get to get, wait to get some uh, referrals on, Jen. Jen, I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you. Happy to, happy to always talk scotch, uh, in addition to sales and marketing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stay on, t- we'll stay on topic because we may, we may go into a rabbit hole faster than we thought. <laughs> I- I've been excited to have you on the show. Um, you're someone that's been on our list to get on here for a while. I'm really excited to be with you today. Um, I'm excited to dive into your story, but before we do that, can you just share a little bit about SmartBug for those that, um, may be hearing about it for the first time? Can you share what you're doing and where you fit? Absolutely. I'd love to. So we're an intelligent inbound marketing agency, really focused on driving revenue growth for our clients. We have over a hundred clients working with us on a retainer basis, mostly in the B2B space. So we believe in taking really smart data oriented strategies and deliverables, and we combine what you think of as traditional inbound marketing with web design and public relations and sales enablement and really awesome creative to help our clients really act as an extension of their marketing teams and help them grow revenue and, and marketing ROI. Um, so usually there were, we're being asked to help support demand generation goals, but, um, 
but we also help with, you know, any digital marketing technology that they're using. We partner with a lot of different technology platforms like Terminus, um, Vidyard, Sigster, Allbound, and probably most notably uh, HubSpot. We were HubSpot's global partner of the year in 2018. Congratulations. What a killer story. Uh, you're doing amazing things. That's, that's a really, really cool story. And I can't wait to hear how you help them earn that distinction of global sales partner of the year. That, that's not an easy piece of hardware to take home, I'm sure. No, no. And it, it was, it was funny when my, when my CEO, Ryan Malone, when he said to me, okay, here's this kind of crazy, you know, kind of like BHAG goal. Um, yeah. And he, you know, that he kind of set in front of me, I thought, all right, like, what's the chances like of this actually happening? And I gave it like a 50, 50. Um, and then when it got really close, I, then I was like, I could taste it. I'm like, we have to win this. We're winning this thing. Yeah. We're going yes. after it. Yes. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, like I said, that that's something that should get everyone's attention. Those, 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 first of all, those are some great partners you're with, but, but when you get that kind of a recognition, you're doing things that people need to listen to and, and pay attention to. And I can't wait to dive in. But one of my favorite things about, uh, as I've gotten to know you a little bit, Jen, is you have a really unique story of what got you to sales and that ultimately led you to winning awards like that on behalf of SmartBug. Can you just take a minute and share a little bit about your maybe non-conventional uh, approach to getting into sales? And then and then once you're there, saying, now that I'm here, I'm going to win intentionally and we're going to kick more than our share of ass. You, you mean your other guests didn't start off as high school English and theater arts teachers and then go work in professional theater before they switched over to B2B SaaS? I am pretty sure you're our first one, Jen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, what's funny. I, I, I was always one of those, those kids who could never decide what I wanted to be when I grew up. And, uh, but I knew I always liked to learn and I also like to tell people what to do. And I think those, those go together, you know, they can go to get, go together nicely, uh, when you think about being a teacher and then kind of moving into marketing and sales. So yeah, started off as a teacher and, and I, I didn't think I would really leave teaching, but I had this, I called it this golden ticket opportunity. And I think that's been sort of my, this like guiding principle for me. I just kind of jump in and say yes. Um, and I look for these like I, I just take some, I've taken a lot of risks in my career. Sometimes I look back and I think, oh my God, what was I thinking? Like I took a pay cut from teaching to go take a community engagement manager position at a nonprofit theater company. Wow. <laughs> wow. I know, I know. And I had, and I had, tw my twins were, I have, I have twin boys. My twins were, I think about maybe five months old at the time. I mean, I was, probably a loon I was a lunatic for sure to do that but it's where working in nonprofit it's there's so much to do and there are not enough people to do it and there's someone who's always willing to teach you something and so it was there that I got kind of pickpocketed by the marketing director and said hey we need someone for PR we think you'd be really good at it that I, I I went from never have done done any marketing any PR whatsoever to being thrown into managing public relations for um, our Tucson market our Phoenix market and then for national the national theater scene and you know really it just meant you had to be a good communicator and my teaching background taught me how to start with the end in mind what do I want to achieve. And who do I need to get on board? And now let's reverse engineer what steps we need to take together to get there. 
And when you think about marketing and you think about sales, that's exactly what we do. And so that experience just fed right into that opportunity at Arizona Theater Company. And in my eight years at Arizona Theater Company, I went from not really knowing anything about marketing and sales to being responsible for 75% of our company's, you know, annual revenue. And we were about maybe like a $7 million organization. Um, so, so yeah, it was, uh, was, was a pretty exciting way to, to earn my marketing and sales stripes. So before we go any farther, do you still find opportunities or time? I know how much time it takes. Do you find any opportunities to participate in community theater or anything like that anymore? Uh, I don't, not, not from that, like from that perspective, I do attend the theater. So I, I love to go, I went to New York, brought my kids to New York, um, this last fall and took them to see a couple of Broadway shows and see, you know, see theater locally here. Um, just this weekend, one of my sons, he built a set for their school musical. So I got to experience that. So, you know, just kind of living, living through teenagers right now, actually. (laughs) Well, that's a, that's not a bad lens to look through. That's, that's a really cool story. Thank you for sharing it. So you now, you've had this, you, you got involved, you've had that run, you got involved in tech, uh, you ended up at SmartBug, you've done some really interesting things. You have this really cool opportunity where you're leading the marketing and the sales side of things. Um, what kind of challenges did that create, if any? What kind of advantages does that create, if any? Can you talk a little bit about balancing both sides of that and what that, what that's done for you? The advantages far outweigh the challenges, although my biggest challenge is just time. And I haven't quite figured out how to pause time. <laughs> I would, would like to figure that, that, that out. Figure that out. Will you call me first? Uh, yes, I promise. <laughs> Um, so there, there are definitely weeks where I feel like a crazy person, but it is just, it's so, it's so beneficial. And the, the very first time I was overseeing, and I, well, let me back up. I've always been, when I was, when I considered myself a marketer, I was always a very revenue driven marketer. Like at Arizona Theater Company, I, it was marketing, it was a marketing department, but it was all sales. I mean, I would come into the office every day and look at our ticket sales report from the day before. And I'd have to wait and get it in Excel because this was before a lot of technology. Right. But, but that, that was, and then looking at that report every day, we would have to make adjustments to our marketing efforts based off of what had sold the day before because and it was such a great training ground because we had a finite number of seats and performances that we could sell. And if we didn't sell them, that was lost revenue. And if we didn't hit our revenue goals because we were a nonprofit, it meant people could very likely lose their jobs. So it was, it was stressful, but it was also amazing training for really thinking about what you're doing in marketing that's driving results. And so that's how my brain, that's just how I've always been wired as a sales and marketing professional. Um, and, and it's just, it, it is just, it, it becomes kind of exhausting um, if you don't have a really strong support team that's helping you execute. Okay. So that makes tons of sense. And so I guess I'm going back to a couple things that you said. When you're having both of those, those roles, you're right. Time becomes a challenge. And I have found that when I'm working, we work, what we do primarily with sales leaders and salespeople, I found that role and use of time is like the most important thing to get right. 
you must have that on steroids because you have multiple hats that you're wearing and probably multiple people that are doing things with you. And, and you got like each side of those could be a full-time job by itself. Any tactics or tips that you can share with our leaders on how they might be able to, you know, help with role clarity uh, and, and, and using that to drive your time. Well, I think one of the things that we do as an organization is we have, we have a, 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 I don't know if you're, if you're familiar, if your listeners are familiar with the book Traction, but it, it creates this, this operating system. It, it outlines this operating system that the business runs on. And that's the book that we all read when we come to work here at SmartBug. And it's, it's the way that our whole business is, is set up. So part of Traction is you have a vision track vision track, uh, organizer. Actually, I think I'm butchering that title, but that's oh, cool. Right. So it's like, okay, here's, here's our mission. Here's our vision. Here are our goals. Um, here's our one year goal. Here's our three year goal. And then I think on the, the traditional VTO, there's a five year. Um, but we honestly, we're growing so fast that we actually can't even, it would just <laughs> blow our minds to think about five. So right. we just look at focus on one and three. And, and then we all have, um, quarterly, our leadership team has quarterly rocks of, okay, these are the things, these are the things we need to either move or fix or, you know, problems we need to solve that are getting in the way of us achieving that one-year goal. And that is contributing to us achieving our three-year goal. So that helps so much because it's so easy to just get swept away and, and, and respond and react to opportunities that you have. But because we have that VTO, because I know exactly what we're focused on as an organization, I can then actually take that and I can distill it down at a more tactical level for my team. But that helps me stay on track. It helps give me role clarity and, um, and it helps me kind of define and describe for our team why we're doing what we're doing. So you don't have any patience for people that are just on one side or the other saying they're too busy, it sounds like, right? Oh yeah, too busy. Don't, don't even get me started. You know, listen. <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny. It's like it's like I um I don't think I've ever talked about my kids this much on a in business, but but I remember you know when my kids were born or even later, and people would say, "Wow, you had twins! Like, how did you do that?" And I would look at them like they're crazy and say, "Well, it's not like I could turn one back in. Like, I had two. Yeah. Like, you just find a way." Um, and so I think. My running sales and marketing has been in the past. It was out of necessity, right? You're at a startup or it's a nonprofit and you could, they can only afford to pay a leader, you know, yep. one, you know, one person. So you, you have to figure it out. And then in doing so, you discover all of these really cool benefits of having somebody run both. And now when I, when I started at Smartbug, it was intentional. It was, okay, we want you in this role. And then what do you need to be successful? Um, so, and that, that's what's been really exciting about being here. So let's talk about that for a second. Before we get into some of your leadership blueprints and tactics, et cetera, you're talking, you got a bunch of sales leaders and salespeople listening to you right now around the world. Any best practices for those? Like how do you work with marketing better? How do you, how do you make sure that you're more aligned? Because your team is in a spot where you're making sure that happens. But most people aren't. So any best practices on how to best do that if, if you aren't in the situation where one person's running both? You have to have um, 
documented and agreed upon goals and practices in place. And the documented part I think is really important and is often overlooked. So people will take the time, they'll go into a meeting and they'll kind of verbally commit to something, but you need to have it written down. You need to have that place. If I go think back to how I stay sane and thinking about our VTO it means something that this is on quote paper, right? Whether it's electronic or what have you, that it's something that you could print out and pin to everyone's wall that says, this is what we're committing to. So you have shared goals, you have shared revenue goals, right? As an organization, everyone has to have them. An entire company has to have shared revenue goals. Everybody in the organization is contributing to those. And then you have to agree upon your mechanism for how you're going to achieve those goals. So that means that marketing leadership, sales leadership, they need to get together. They need to not just say yes, but actually believe in it, make compromises, and then document that all on paper and then make sure that they've got the processes and systems in place to be successful. I think that's, that's one of the, the biggest like missing pieces we tend to see in organizations. Um, where they maybe are saying the right things, but they're not, not actually doing what they say they're going to do. So of the two you gave me, or, uh, documented, documented goals, so I got that down, and then agreed upon mechanism, it sounds like you think the breakdown happens more often with the how to do it rather than what we're doing? Um, it, it's the execution as well. Okay. Right. So, yeah. so it's easy to say in, um, okay, so here's, here's a, here's an example from us, right? Cause we, you know, we even struggle with this ourselves. So we have this mechanism for, okay, what is considered a marketing qualified lead? So we've documented that everyone's agreed to yep. it. And then we have a process. We have an automation rule inside of our CRM uh, and marketing automation that says, okay, if when somebody becomes an MQL, they will then be assigned, they'll be round robin assigned to one of our, our reps. That rep is then assigned a task. So if that person is not, is they're just an MQL, they haven't like, requested a, a consult, then they're assigned a task to kind of go in, check the MQL, check to see, you know, is this person like a legitimate good fit for us if they're not disqualify them. So we like, push them out of any other nurture we're doing. Um, and then to reach out and see if there's a way that they can add value to the recent engagement that this person's had with their organization. Maybe it was that they downloaded some content or maybe they attended a webinar or, you know, one of any other kind of marketing techniques or tactics that we're doing. Um, so great, makes sense. But then I go in and I look and I see one of my sales reps, he's like 200, he's like 200 behind on, on following up with those. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's not probably not crazy shocking. You know, so I'm going in and saying, okay, what's going on? Why aren't, why aren't you doing this? And it might be that, you know what? His pipeline is so full from all these other activities and events that I actually need to adjust the round robin. Maybe I need to take him out of rotation for a week or, t- or so. Hmm. Or maybe I need to now create another SLA where I'm saying, okay, if you don't respond within X period of time, I reserve the right to reassign those MQLs to somebody else. Got it. So it's just making sure that like you can put, you can put a plan in place, but if you're not going in and you're not like spot checking and making sure that it's, that it's working, like then that's not good either. It's not, nothing about what we do goes on autopilot. So I wrote down shared goals, shared mechanism slash execution. And what you just described sounds to me like also shared accountability. Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely shared accountability. I mean, we're, we're all on this together. It sounds cheesy, but. No, no, be cheesy, baby. I love it. <laughs> we're, we're all in this together. So not, I mean, there's not, there's no one person in any organization that is uh, responsible for all the success of that company. So one of the things that comes up a lot when, when we have these great leaders like yourself on the show is people, there's always two or three common things. And what it sounds like as I listen to you is one of these things, systems. People don't just get goals. Great leaders build systems. So how do you build systems to do these things that you talked about, goals, execution, accountability? Because you clearly do. You just talked about how you can spot check and blah, blah, blah. How, how do you build systems around those things? Uh, well, I think – what you do if you don't have a system at all, and this is, I'm going to be honest, this is really challenging for me. I am not a process person. I am not a, like, if you're familiar with, like, disk graphs, yeah. I'm like a, <laughs> I'm like a 99D, 99I, and like, it's like a, like a, like a 10C. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I relate, okay. by the way, I relate to you. You and me would get along well. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm the big picture person, but I also recognize that I need to, I need to surround myself with people who can compliment me. So, and I don't mean tell me that I, you know, I'm nice. I'm talking about, you know, they, 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 they kind of replace, they fill in the gap for the places where I know I fall short. So I think that's, that's one piece that's been really important. Um, the other thing is when I'm, we're building out a new process or this new kind of system, it's not doing it in a vacuum. So talking it through. So I find it's very, very beneficial for me in my role. I will grab my RVP of client services, um, who is very good at these systems and processes. And I'll kind of just, uh, just spitball with her, right? Like let's talk through. What, you know, what, what do we think? Almost like, you know, we're a hundred percent remote agency. So we're all, you know, we're all, she's in Bismarck, North Dakota. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, but otherwise, you know, it's, we, we whiteboard it, right? Those and, are two different climates, by the way. I think I prefer to go to, uh, the Phoenix climate than the cold climate. Just, she, she, <laughs> she sent me a picture over the weekend of it was snowing there and I'm like, oh wow, God. it's yeah. crazy. It's like 90 degrees, um, <laughs> but. But, but yeah, so we, you know, talk through it and, and, and think about all of the different places where you might end up hating yourself in a corner, right? So like, what, what if, what if, what if? Then, you know, you know, you put it, put it on paper and you kind of do a little bit of a test run before you start adding in technology and automation, right? right? So you do it more like a manual sort of test run of, okay, does this work? If it works, if it's up to snuff, um, then, and I don't think you need a ton of time. You just can do it like one or two times and you're like, all right, yeah, this works. This is, this is good. Now let's actually take technology and let's leverage technology to help make this process that we've created more efficient. I love that. So that's a perfect time to shift. So I've got all these down. I love your approach to building systems, you know, get it right. Then we start adding tech to it or too many people buy tech, hoping that it'll solve problems. And it sounds to me like we could have a whole thing about how you choose to buy tech based on knowing that you've got a problem solved the right way and now we'll look to do it at scale. Uh, in fact, that probably makes it so you do things so it's not at scale at first so you can find out how you do, right? Um, but what Absolutely. I want to shift to is I, I, I noticed the very first place you went when I started talking about how do you build those systems that lead you to ongoing winning, the very first place you went was surrounding yourselves with not just the best people but complementary people. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, I know that 
that you've done some interesting things and you, and you really have built some great teams. Can you talk about your, your approach to figure out who goes on your team and for what reasons? Sure. So I think what, what I look at is what do we, you know, what do I need to happen in order to hit my goals? And I look at what I know I can contribute and then what, um, you know, what's missing. So I'm not looking for someone who's going to be like me, right? I'm looking for somebody, I'm looking for people who can take ownership of different scenarios or, you know, different projects and, and then, and, and really like really tr- truly own that. So, um, from on the marketing side of the house, what I've chosen to do is first of all, I have, I have someone who's really overseeing our brand marketing and all of our marketing programs and partner marketing. And then, th- then that person has, um, like a, like a, an assistant or a, um, you know, so an admin that, that's working with them to help support support them. But then instead of building out additional team members, I actually have a retainer with Smartbug. So we're a marketing agency wow. and I have a retainer with our own agency. That's awesome. It it is. Um and it wasn't intuitive. It, it, even like for any of us at first we were I we actually were planning on hiring a, another person and we were getting down to like final interviews with people and I just felt like it was wrong and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, we, I just want a retainer because I want to be able to have fractional expertise, um, for, for our demand gen efforts. So, so I did that. Um, and then on the sales side, um, here at Smartbug, it's been, it's been really interesting, you know, thinking about who makes, who I need to have on my team. What I did is, when I first came in, I took over all of sales. So I was the only one selling for, you know, for all of our new business. And by doing that, I was able to learn a lot more about our buyer personas. How important was that for your success for you to know that firsthand? How important? I mean, I I cannot imagine. I like, I cannot imagine doing it. In fact, knowing what I know now, if I would have said, Oh, I know how to hire a salesperson. I ran sales at all bound. I know how to, you know, I can just go hire salespeople. It, it, it would have been a disaster. Can I tell you, let me tell you why I asked the question. I'm again, we work as you, I think we work with these sales leaders in 19 countries around the world. And, and many times I'm starting to see there's a lot of people that want to lead sales teams that in some cases forget about haven't sold for the company. Many of them say, I think, having ever sold is overrated. And, and I always find that really interesting. How are you going to lead salespeople if you don't want to sell? But what you just said was you figured out those profiles, those personas, because you did it. You spoke to them. Now, I know those change over time, but is that, am I reading you right? That was super important for you to have firsthand knowledge of what those customer personas and profiles were like because you'd engaged with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what I learned, I learned a lot about the type of person that we need to hire here at Smartbug. And so it, it was actually what I did is I did a little bit of an AB test. Um, so someone I really respect and admire, Dan Tyre, who was one of the, the I think he was like the first salesperson at HubSpot. Um, yeah. and he lives here in, in the Phoenix area. And so we're, we're good friends. He was like, Jen, make sure you hire two people. And, it, and of course, at first, my CEO is like, well, no, wait, you only have budget for one person. I'm like, well, Dan said, Dan said I should hire two. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. and I think we, we've all kind of heard that, right? And yep. so I did a test where I said, all right, I'm going to hire 
somebody who on paper and who I know from my past experience should be successful here. And now I'm going to take a little bit of leap of faith that I'm going to hire somebody who doesn't fit any of the, 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 doesn't fit that mold of what I would consider to be like a successful salesperson. But based off of my experience over the last six months of being the sole salesperson, I think he could be, this person could be successful. Mm. And today, the person I thought that was going to nail it is no longer here. Wow. And the person who I took a chance on is rocking it. I am laughing because when I hired our first two here, the exact same thing happened. That's hmm. interesting to hear that. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you, thank you for sharing that because I'm telling you, I'm seeing more, because I think our profession of sales is getting so much more legitimized, I guess, where people are like saying, I want to go into sales rather than like me. I was accidentally involved and I fell in love with it. And now I try to be intentionally successful. There's people now, as you already know, joining sales. They go to college where you live in ASU. They have a great pro sales school and they go to college so they can be salespeople. And, um, and so I, I think that if you're going to be a great sales leader, you at least not better know how to sell. But I think the more intimate you can know those personas and ideal uh, customer profiles, the more successful you're going to be. Let me ask you another question. Does that mean that you take time to try and stay close to those things? Or is that something that you don't spend as much time trying to stay close to anymore? So I still actually, I, we have, um, we have a couple of very strategic partnerships and I still run point on those. Yeah. So, so that it's that we, we do that because of the importance of these partnerships and the value that they, that they hold. Um, and, but also it does help keep me in the game. Right. So it, it, because I am still, I still experience like the wins and the losses and the highs and the lows. And when I'm coaching one of my, one of my team members, I have actual like real empathy for what they're experiencing and I can help them kind of engage you know, engage and, and really kind of navigate through that process that they're in. And I think it's really beneficial. And I'm a little bit afraid of if I didn't still have that experience, if I would lose some of that edge and not be as helpful to them, um, you know, in the oh, future. That is fantastic. And I think that's great advice. John Barrows gave me the same advice on the show once. And he and I have talked about that. He, he, he and I both feel like uh, too often people try to lead based on either what they used to know or what they've read about. Uh, and he advised our listeners, if someone tries to tell you something about sales training, ask him, when was the last time you actually used that to build pipeline yourself? I thought that was great advice, you know, and, and your, your reps now, they know that you're in it. They absolutely, I'm not saying everybody needs to sell all the time, but I love that you're staying connected. I, I think that's great advice. So I don't want to shift it to what I've brought you on in the first place. I told you we might go down a rabbit hole fast, and that <laughs> happened faster than I thought. Question I have to ask you, how do you get the self-awareness of when you need to bring other people in that are different than you, that can counterbalance you? Because you've got a pretty great, like a strong personality, and, and it's easy for you probably in a room to like take over. So how do you how do you have the awareness to bring someone in that maybe puts the brakes on you sometimes or has you look through a different lens sometimes? or takes the operational view instead of the big picture view. Because the reason I ask is that was hard for me. I remember the first time I was a sales leader, uh, I only wanted to hire people that were just like me, and that was an absolute freaking disaster. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Um, my biggest challenge, honestly, is trying to figure out if I have the energy to to fix the things I know I'm not good at, <laughs> um, or if I just want to accept like this is just who I am, so this is just the way it's going to be. Um, but that's like the thing I kind of wrestle with all the time. I you know, when I made the crossover from, um, from nonprofit theater over into the business world, I actually worked for a behavioral and motivation assessment company called TTI. So I like was like thrown right into this world of disc assessments and motivational assessments and, um, leadership growth and, uh, organizational growth and health. And so th- like reading all of those books and becoming very comfortable with that curriculum uh, really helped me in better understanding myself and my own sort of emotional intelligence. I'm also, I also know what, you know, what feels good and what feels right and what doesn't. And if I'm consistently doing something that doesn't make me happy, doesn't make me feel fulfilled, where I don't feel like I'm adding value, that's where I know, but it's something that needs to get done, right? Right. That's when I know, all right, I got to pull someone else into this because I'm not the best person to help our company achieve our goals because I go back to what are we trying to achieve? And just being able to like call BS on your own, um, your own skill set. That's, that's what I've done. And you know, I, I've talked to people who say, and especially women, I've talked to other female leaders who have been afraid to say that they can't do something because they're afraid of that, of it coming across as really vulnerable and having it be held against them. And, what I've learned is I have zero tolerance for uh, an, an executive, right? If I'm reporting to a CEO, I have zero tolerance for a CEO who's not going to welcome and embrace the fact that I can say, I'm not going to be the best one for this. So I've just, I've learned that I need to make sure that I'm working in an organization where my strengths are appreciated and my weaknesses are not held against me. Um, you know, so, but it's just being, being honest and being, and being open. And I think, I think we need to give people a more opportunity just to, to, you know, say what they, they feel comfortable with or, or, or not. Really good advice. The last one I'll ask you on this because your, your second one on, on stay connected and stay, there's so many things. Be connected to your partners, right? The, the marketing partners in your case or, or, or in anybody's case, stay connected to the market. Talk to me about how you stay connected to the individual rep. I mean, are, you mentioned the word coaching. Uh, that was pretty natural. Sounds like that's part of what you do. Uh, what's your approach to coaching? What, what are your thoughts around what makes for great coaching for your salespeople? One of the things that we do is we do record all of our calls. So I listen to call recordings. I I, I don't listen to every single one. I do ask. I, yeah. I, I know, I know. I, you know, so when I used to drive, when I used to drive into an office and sit in traffic for three hours every day, I used to listen to everything. Um, but now that I, I work from home, I'm like, all right, no, I'm not going to do that. So I'll, I'll ask my reps. I'll say, send me, send me an example of a discovery call, like tag me on a discovery call, tag me on a, you know, proposal review assessment review call. You know, once a week, I'll listen to kind of two from each person once a week. So I had, I made that commitment to them. And then every once in a while, if I'm, 
you know, a little bit concerned about something or I'm seeing a deal like just kind of sitting in, in, in pipeline for a while, I'll jump in and I'll just go hunting around myself or I'll look for keywords, right? Because I, I can do that with, you know, we use Gong, so I can do that with that tool. Um, so so that that's important to me. The other thing I do is I do weekly one-on-ones. I only have, I have three reps. So I don't have a massive team, but I do, we have our sales team meeting on Monday mornings and then um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, one of those days, I have a hour long one-on-one with, with each rep. So that's really important. Those are our times to kind of understand what's going on in their world, both professional and personal, and kind of do a deeper dive into some of the challenges that they're experiencing. It's their kind of chance to bring things to me. We also, we use a project management software called Teamwork. It's basically like our, the way we run our entire business. And for our one-on-ones, we, I have a project in teamwork that's dedicated to each one-on-one. And there's a place for throughout the week for the reps to kind of go in and put in topics, things they want to discuss with me, things I want to discuss with them. And then if there are follow-up tasks that need to be completed as a result of that conversation, then we're tracking those in teamwork. So it's holding both of us accountable. That's a good, I like that approach. So you're listening to calls a couple of weeks per person, and then you have a a focused one-on-one where they know what you're going to talk about before you get in there and they come pretty prepared for that. Absolutely. And then the other thing is we do some peer coaching. So I've got one of, one of our reps who, um, is, is more, a little more seasoned. So he's right now coaching a newer rep. And I had this like crazy, like meta experience the other day where I was listening to a call recording where he was coaching her through a call recording. And then I was providing him feedback on the way he was providing feedback. Um, so, You're coaching so, the coach. I, yeah, yeah. So, but that was, that was a really cool experience too. Yeah. I love that. So I have one more thing and then we'll start wrapping this up. One of the things that you're really, but I I feel it as I talk to you, you're you're just this natural brand evangelist. You're you're awesome at it. I've watched you speak at a number of conferences. I learned about your organization because of your evangelism. Any thoughts that our sales leaders can get from you on any tips that you might have on how they can maybe evangelize and maybe help their brand lead to demand. Just anything along those lines that might be a good tactic or tip for a sales leader to help their own cause. I think hopefully you're doing something that you love and hopefully you feel passionate about it. And if you don't, then it's going to be really hard to be a brand evangelist. So, you know, I joined SmartBug because SmartBug was actually my agency at two other companies. I had hired them twice and I fell in love with the organization and I wanted to increase brand awareness for this, this company. I felt like SmartBug was the best kept secret, especially in the HubSpot ecosystem. So I was, I I brought that passion to the opportunity. And I think that's something that I've always done. I've always worked for a company except for the time when my company got acquired. And then I was working for a company that, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a choice, right? Like that was, they bought us, but otherwise I've always made that conscious choice. So if you're making this conscious choice to work for this company, then hopefully it's inspiring you. And hopefully you want to share all of the great things that your organization does with the world. And you're not just relying on the marketing department to do that. So everyone needs to be selling. Everyone needs to be marketing. Everybody needs to be sharing what you're doing with it, you know, within your organization. Um, and 
And I think if you, if you are in the right place, if you're, you know, you're, then it's going to feel right. It's not going to feel pushy because if you think about like, if you go and you go out to dinner and you have the most amazing dining experience ever, you're going to tell people about it for sure. You want them to experience it too. Right. Right. So, so that's just the same approach. It's like, I think what we do is amazing at SmartBot. I want to tell the entire world about it all the time. And I want to surround myself with people who are also passionate and who also want to kind of improve, you know, make the world a better place. And as, again, as cheesy as that sounds, but, but I think if you surround yourself with that kind of a network, you get inspired by what other people are doing as well. And I just think it, it should, it should feel natural. It should, it, you know, evangelizing your, that, that brand that you work for and what you're doing, it should feel good because you should feel like you're, working towards achieving something great for yourself and for the others around you. You know, that's such a good way for us to start wrapping this up. Your passion comes through. That's the thing about you, Jen, as I listen to you, there's nothing that is not authentic is the way it strikes me as I listen to you. And (laughs) that's why it's so believable. You do believe what you're saying and you don't just have a cool job and a company with people that you like, though you have that. You believe in the mission of SmartBug, and it's so easy for you to do that. And I, that's why I, I've always said that the first sale has to happen in the heart of the person that's the salesperson. Absolutely. And that Absolutely. means it has to be in the sales leader because people are always, always, always a reflection of leadership, I think. So, hey, we're going to wrap this up the same way I do everyone. We're going to go rapid fire. Are you ready? All right. Toughest leadership challenge you faced, and how do you uh, face that one down? Oh, hiring is still... Even though everything we discuss, hiring is really tough. So hiring is the toughest one, and you've given us a little bit about your blueprint there. So it's just that's just something you never stop worrying about. I I don't. I, I'm constantly worried that I'm making the wrong decision. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's that one's that one's tough. Let me ask you this then, as a follow up: Are you always building like you know people in your mind that say when I have openings, you're building your bench of people to go to all the time? I I'm always thinking. Yes, yeah. I'm always thinking. Number two. Um, Leaders are readers, and I don't care if it's books or audibles or blogs, et cetera. Uh, something you recommend that these leaders get their hands on? You already suggested traction. I wrote that one down. Um, what, what should our leaders read if they want to lift their leadership game up? Um, you know, I, 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 like the two books I read when I first built a sales team were The Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge and The Sales Development Playbook by Trish Bertuzzi. Both so awesome. those did not, you know, those, those set me on a great path, so they did not did not lead me astray. Although I'm pretty I'm pretty like pumped right now on um, Chris Voss's book, Never Split the Difference, um, because I I recently felt like I need to be a better negotiator because I am probably like too authentic and too like I <laughs> I need it need to be a little bit tougher um, when it comes to negotiation. So that's been that's been a really cool one for me. Great suggestions. You've been amazing. We're, we are out of time. So how do they get more of you? There's going to be plenty of people saying, man, I'm, I'm interested to learn more about SmartBug. I want to be connected to Jen. How, how do, how do they get more of what you're doing as you go about evangelizing and, and doing so much good for our sales profession? I'm, I'm pretty active on, on social media. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Jen Spencer, SmartBug Media. If you do send me a connection request, just let me know that you heard me on this podcast. That will give me some context for kind of how we you know, know each other. Um, so that, that, that'd be a great way. I'm also on Twitter at Jen Spencer, or you can visit smartbugmedia.com and, and learn more about us there. She has not ever missed a golden ticket opportunity. Her passion is undeniable. Jen Spencer, you have been a fantastic guest on the show. 
I'm so grateful to have you. Uh, thank you for everything you've done and happy selling. Ah, thank you. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And Jen Spencer is awesome. I hope you felt her passion. I hope you felt her authenticity. I've been watching and listening to her at conferences around all across the country for a couple of years now. And I've always been impressed by just how smart she was and how much what she has to say makes sense. And I've wanted to get her on the show for a while. I'm, I'm really glad that we had her. And as I, as I go back and I listen to what we talked about, it's really one word that keeps resonating with me on what I think Jen is about that's made her so successful. And it's team. Uh, she, she really has a really good approach to building an authentic, uh, really well-oiled team. There's a lot of sayings and there's a lot of kind of one-liners about team. You know, stuff like if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go as a team. Or none of us is as great as all of us. Those are two of my favorites. And as sales leaders, we have to be able to go fast and far. We don't get to choose fast or far. we got to pick both, fast and far. And so that means I really think that our greatest driver of success and failure will come down to what kind of team can we build? What kind of people can we attract how are we going to be at getting them up to speed and successful? And can we keep them engaged and enthused and, and, and really feeling like they've drunk the Kool-Aid, so to speak, in the opportunity that they have, not just to work at a company, but primarily to work with you as a leader? Um, I, I, think that, I think of Ralph Barcy when he was on the show with us and he talked about our ability to turn on the bat signal up into the air and attract people to come and... And I loved what Jem was talking about around, around this whole kind of concept. She talked about building a team. She talked about shared goals. The whole idea of shared accountability and teamwork, not just for the sales team, but all the counterparts that work together. That the whole team, you know, sales, marketing, success, the whole thing is part of this revenue engine that helps us go far and fast. And so there's a lot of things that were in there. One of the ones that I really dug and I, and I don't know that we've talked enough about on the show, was she did not look for a team of people that were just like her. She does not look for a team of people that, you know, are, you know, making a team in her image. Uh, I really liked her self-awareness and finding a team that complements her strengths and fills the gaps in some of her weaknesses. And she actually made a statement that I really, really liked, and, and I'm going to repeat it here. She said, you got to be okay being vulnerable. Your strengths should be appreciated and your weaknesses shouldn't be held against you. And, and not only do we need to have an organization that we build that, that appreciates our strengths and helps us uh, compensate in our weaknesses, we have to be that kind of leader. We have to appreciate the strengths of the people we hire and we have to find ways to build up systems to help compensate and develop around the weaknesses that people have. So I thought that was really good. I also really liked how she said it was important for her to stay close to the market and close to the customer, not just so she could make sure she's a good coach, but I really thought it was good because it helped her know what kind of people to hire. Are you picking people that you know are going to be able to connect well with your buyer, the people in your ICP? Uh, I think that our strength as a leader is really going to come down to can we build the right team? 
Because if we build the right team, we will be able to go fast and we will be able to go far. And so I, I loved this whole interview. I, I, I love Jen, uh, her approach and her insight. There's a lot more that, that, that's in this interview. There's a, there's a lot of killer stuff. She gives some great tactics. But even when she talked about my greatest leadership challenge, it came down to the challenge of finding the right people. And so this episode, make no mistake, this is about building the great team that takes you fast and far. High growth sales leaders don't have to choose speed over longevity. You don't have to trade the now for the future. You don't have to trade the future for the now. If you are a leader that's following the blueprint that Jen has laid out, you will be able to go far and fast. So go back and listen to this one a few times. Reach out to Jen. Make a connection with her. Uh, I found Jen's awesome to work with. Uh, she's got this amazing, abundant mentality. She's a great person to have a, a connection with. And my advice on this one, sit back, take some notes, and, and say, am I building the team that's taking me fast? Am I building the team that's taking me far? What are the things that will help each of those things happen? And how do I make it so that's the kind of organization we actually become? And as you execute against that blueprint, you'll find that you grow both farther and faster than you might have otherwise thought. Thanks again for following the show. Thanks again for the great recommendations of the guests. We love the guest recommendations that we're starting to get from so many of you. Please, 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 today, make sure you rate the show if you have not. Give us that five-star rating and tell someone about it. Uh, do us a favor and tell someone about the show. We're growing fast. We want to grow faster. Uh, our mission is to help as many sales leaders as possible uh, take what the market gives and then some. And with your help, we'll do it. So as always, don't worry. Just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.